are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. They're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? Though is wonderful. And might I add, handsome host of this podcast, multimedia journalist and graphic designer, Miller Thomas. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorToms24 for my personal account, at LockdownDimebacks for my Twitter and Instagram handle or account, I should say. Those are my handles, at LockdownDimebacks for my Twitter and Instagram handle, I should say. Now, on today's pod, we got a jam-packed show for you guys today. Got some bad news about Tony La Russa, but got some good news about Merrill Kelly and where he's at. And then we've been looking at the free agent tier rankings on MLB.com. We looked at their tier five rankings last week and said which players the Diamondbacks should target. Then we looked at tier four yesterday and chose which players the Diamondbacks should target. So now we're going to look at tier three and decide, of course, which players the Diamondbacks should target. But first, if your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks are listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, I read to the most reasonable around. Email me at lockdowndiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. All right, let's get back into it, and let's look at that. Let's first start with the bad news. I'm a bad news kind of guy when it comes to, when you know, when your mom asks you, what do you want to hear first, bad news or good news? I've always chose the bad news first. Take that first punch to the gut. This way, I could be saved by the good news. So we'll start with the bad news first. That has to do with the new White Sox manager, Tony La Russa. He was charged back in February with DUI arrest. And the White Sox actually, uh, you know, apparently they were aware of it. On February 24th at 11.40 p.m., a peace officer responded to a call and found La Russa standing alongside his SUV. According to an affidavit filed by the Arizona Department of Public Safety, LaRusa told the officer who had detected a quote-unquote light odor of alcoholic beverage that he had been at dinner with friends from the LA Angels for whom he was working with as a special advisor. LaRusa was stopped near the Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport, which is only about eight minutes from me, and he told the officer he had hit something and had a tire blow out. According to the affidavit, after a field sobriety test, LaRusso was taken into custody. In the affidavit, the peace officer described him as argumentative. And you would expect him to be. I mean, he's being taken into custody for DUI. Of course, he didn't, uh, of course, he didn't uh, you know, want to confess to a DUI on the spot. He actually refused to submit a breath test or provide a sample of his blood or urine. So they actually had to get a search warrant, take two tubes, 
and take two tubes of LaRusse's blood. Common procedure for DUI cases in Arizona. And it was actually a common procedure for uh, you know someone not to be charged until months later, which is what happened to Tony LaRusso. So now the real question is, did it not matter before the hiring that he had a DUI? This is not the first time LaRusso has had a DUI in his career. I'm all about second chances, but he was stopped back in 07 for a DUI as well. So now LaRusso has a history of it. And it, it makes you just wonder, you know, the integrity of the White Sox. Now, I, I think a DUI is pretty bad. I think Tony LaRusso deserves to be punished for it. Now, I'm not saying Tony LaRusso never deserves any job, but when you know you have a DUI pending, when you know your your new hire has a DUI about to be charged to him, I, I think it's, you know, yeah, I don't think you can make that hire right away. I think you have to let the legal process play out first. Uh, I, I think it's tough. Uh, I mean, you see it in football. I was watching the Sunday night football game, and they were going through all the allegations and the cases that Antonio Brown has against him, and they're pretty damning right now. But Bruce Arians said, hey, if any of them prove to be true, he will be done with us. And I just found that pretty interesting. A guy can be accused of rape, murder. I'm not saying that's what Antonio Brown is accused of, but a guy could be accused of all these crimes, and he's okay playing for your team. He can be that guy. He can. You you could have Ted Bundy on your team, but until he's actually convicted, you're going to say he's fine to play on my team. He's fine to put on a Bucks uniform, and I'm not saying Antonio Brown is Ted Bundy or anything like that, but I just think that's kind of funny you know we, we we say we need to have integrity in sports we say we need to have character and i'm all about the due process playing out i'm all about making sure uh you know guys aren't being falsely accused of things they didn't do but if a guy has multiple allegations against him serious allegations against him i'm not saying uh i'm not saying they we shouldn't wait for the process to play out and we shouldn't you know, cast aspersions before that. But that doesn't mean I want that person on my team. I think I would rather stay away from that person until the allegations are, you know, finalized, uh, until we actually get an answer, until we actually find out the truth. I would rather keep that player off my team. And the same for the White Sox here. We didn't know what was going to happen with the DUI. He was charged with the DUI, but I don't think he's gone to court yet about it. I don't think any any serious action has been done yet about the DUI. Uh, I think they just charged him pretty recently so right now nothing has happened yet to Tony La Russa it was actually officially charged with the DUI on October 28th one day before being officially hired by the White Sox which is pretty crazy and La Russa was cited for driving under the influence and registering a blood out a blood alcohol content level of 0.8 or more, which is a misdemeanor in Arizona. If convicted, LaRusa could face up to 10 days in jail. But for most but for most first-time offenders, they serve one day, pay a fine, and have one of those required to use an ignition interlock devices in their car for up to a year. You know, one of those devices where you might have to breathe into it, you know, something like that. You can't just start your car right away. It's something, uh, it's one of those devices they have to put into your car if you have, uh, you know, a DUI in the past. And we know La Russa has a DUI before in his record, as I mentioned. Back in 07, he was charged with DUI. But in Arizona, it's only a seven-year uh, statute of limitations on previous DUIs. So this would actually count as his first-time DUI under Arizona law, which is pretty insane, honestly. But uh, 
So we don't know exactly what's going to happen to Tony La Russa. We'll see what happens in the court of law. But right now, if I'm the White Sox, I, I don't think you should have made that hire. If you knew about this DUI pending before the hire, I think you had to wait and just had to see how the legal, how the legal process played out before hiring Tony La Russa. Now let's segue and get to that good news because it's about right-hander Merrill Kelly, who is recovering from his thoracic outlet surgery, and he told Nick Pertero of Arizona Republic that to this point, the rehab process had been, quote-unquote, way easier than he could have ever imagined. Kelly expects to begin a throwing program later this month, and he's been pretty upbeat about his recovery process. He feels like he could be coming back pretty soon. And the thing with thoracic outlet surgery syndrome is they're just such a small sample size of guys who come back and been successful from it. It's not like Tommy John surgery. Not many guys get the thoracic outlet surgery, and there's been a few guys that have been successful. One guy that you guys know is Chris Young, former Arizona Diamondback. Now, he's an outfielder, but he went... He underwent the surgery. He was fine. Tyson Ross underwent the surgery in 2016. He was fine in 2018, even though his numbers have been pretty poor out uh, after the surgery. His 2018 was pretty solid. And then the Royals right-hander had the surgery a few years ago. Kyle Zimmer, he had the surgery a few years ago, and it looked like he might have had a breakout campaign in 2020. So this is because you have thoracic outlet surgery syndrome, or I shouldn't say syndrome, just thoracic outlet surgery. That doesn't mean your career is going to be over, even though there's not a huge track record of guys that come back from that surgery and been successful. Merrill Kelly is already a guy who's an enigma in baseball. He was a 31-year-old sophomore coming from overseas, international. Uh, he's a guy who just already on the other side of 30, but probably has an arm like he's in his mid-20s. So this is a guy who's also not doing it with the, you know, the kind of stuff like a like a Chapman or, you know, one of these flamethrower pitchers, you know, fireball pitchers that we have nowadays as starters. I don't know why I couldn't think of any starters off the top of my head who are like fireball pitchers, but you guys know who I mean. You know, they, these guys that could throw 98, 99 consistently as a starter, like Justin Verlander back in his heyday. But Merrill Kelly's not like that. He's more of a location pitcher. He's just trying to get the easy outs. He's not really going to... He's not really going to strike you out. He's just trying to get weak contact, ground balls, easy pop flies, things like that. And Merrill Kelly was really good in that department 20, turning out four or five quality starts in 2020. So I like Merrill Kelly a lot. I'm hoping he comes back strong for next season because we know the Diamondbacks could use him. Now I'll get into MLB.com's Tier 3 free agent rankings. I'll tell you which of those players the Diamondbacks should go after. But first... Let's get back into it, and let's look at those Tier 3 free agent rankings on MLB.com and see which players the Diamondbacks should go after. And the first player on here is Jackie Bradley Jr., who's actually coming off a pretty good season for the Red Sox. 
batted 283. He showed some pop as well. Uh, he had seven home runs, which is nice. Five stolen bases. This guy had a really good season 2020, 364 OBP. Pretty much everything was above his season or his career average in terms of batting average, OBP, and even OPS at 814. He's a, I think he's the best defensive center fielder in all of baseball. I think he could be a 2020 kind of guy. And if he can just hit for a solid average, I think he's a nice player to have. And I don't think he's going to break the bank. I would definitely love to have Jackie Bradley on the Diamondbacks. Next up is Robbie Grossman. Left-hander, didn't have a great 2020. It was a solid 2020, don't get me wrong. This wasn't anything elite. Eight home runs, eight stolen bases, very nice batting average. Well, his batting average 241, but 344 OBP, 826 slugging. That's not too bad, but he hasn't really done anything in his career. Eight home runs this season, but only six last year in 138 games. He's never had more than 11 home runs in a season. He's never had more than nine stolen bases in the season, so it's pretty curious to see how he had eight home runs and eight stolen bases this year and only 51 games when he could never do that and you know in a season only he had 130 games and for Robbie Grossman a guy above 30 doesn't really have any power or speed doesn't really hit for a high average uh I'm gonna be out on Robbie Grossman Next up is Henrique Hernandez, who can do a little bit of everything. Outfield, second baseman. We've seen him on the LA Dodgers the last couple years, but he's really been a platoon player for them. He's been a nice platoon player, but does that mean I want him? He hits for a solid average, around 250, but his OBP is ridiculously low. 313 for his career, only 738 OPS for his career. He's got some pop back in 2018. He had 21 home runs, but for what the Diamondbacks need, I think they could get a big up upgrade over Kike Hernandez, who I just don't think is, you know, a good enough player that I would want to spend money on. Next up is Tommy LaStella. He's a New Jersey kid, 31 years old, but he has such a weird career. All-star in 2019, but he only played 80 games. He played 80 games in 2019, bad 295. 346 OBP, 819 OPS, which is pretty nice. Uh, even 16 home runs, so you like that in 80 games. But he, he really doesn't play that many games in a season. He only played 80 games in 2019. And his next highest is 93 as a rookie, then 123 in 2018. So he's really never played a full season. As most of his numbers he, are just not that impressive. And part of it's because he doesn't play a lot of games. Now, his batting average for his career is 274. His OBP for his career is 349 career 750 OPS but because he's never played a full season of games it makes you wonder what kind of player he really is if a full season can he can he extrapolate that 2019 season he had over a full season and give you really good production I don't know but I would be curious if the Dimebacks took a flyer on him I wouldn't want to see I wouldn't want to see the Dimebacks give him a, a big time contract he is an infielder he could play second base play third base it could be a platoon guy so I wouldn't mind seeing the Dimebacks give him a contract I just wouldn't want to sign him up for anything massive or expect anything big from him he could be an all-star but He's just such an enigma. I would give him a contract, but I think it would be a buy low option for me. Next up is Mark Melanson, who I think has become pretty underrated now. He's gotten pretty old here. He's 35 years old, but he's been really good the last few seasons. Uh, he was good in 2018 with the Giants, 3-2-3 year rate. He was good in 2019, 3-6-1 year rate. And then 2020, he had a 2-7-8 year rate. And if you just take away his 2017 season, he's been dominant all the way back to 2013 with the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's like a seven-year stretch where he's been pretty good as a, as a closer 
as a relief pitcher. He had 11 saves this season. So the Diamondbacks are, def are definitely going to be in need of a closer. And as I said before, I'm not afraid of signing closers who are a little bit older. I'm not afraid of signing closers who are in their late 30s as long as they're still effective, which Mark Melanson still is. So I would definitely be in on Mark Melanson and giving him a contract. Next up, Joe Peterson of the Dodgers, 28 years old, so he's still young, but is not that all-star that we saw back in 2015. Now, the thing with Joe Peterson, he's kind of like uh, Cole Calhoun. He's just uh, a power stud. 36 home runs in 2019, 74 ribbies. Strikes out maybe more than he should, even though he's been working on those numbers. Uh, his batting average is around 230 for his career, a 340 OBP. So he really is just like Cole Calhoun, and I think he's the guy who I might like a little bit better than Cole Calhoun, but he's an outfielder as well. So if you're looking for a center fielder, maybe you can move Cole Calhoun to center field, maybe David Peralta, maybe Joe Peterson could, pay, could play center field. But whoever it is, if you do sign Joe Peterson, I think I would like that move. I don't think I would be against it at all. And he played in 2019. He played uh, only two games in center field, so he doesn't do it a ton. But I guess he can do it. Maybe Cole Calhoun would be better suited in that area but he's definitely a guy who's got the power uh he can hit for a good enough average get on base just good enough so if you don't break the bank with joke peterson i wouldn't be upset at all if the dimebacks wanted to sign him Next up, we got Trevor Rosenthal. And this is a guy I really like the Diamondbacks to go after. This guy was dominant in 2020, a 1-9 ERA. Only had 23 innings pitch, but 14 and a half strikeouts per nine. He's still only 30 years old. He was really bad in 2019, and he was uh, he was really bad in 2019, but he was coming off some injury. He missed the whole 2018 because of it. I think he's coming off Tommy John, but I'm not entirely sure. But he definitely missed 2018 because of injury. Was working his way back in 2019, I believe that. That's why his numbers are so poor. Then in 2020, he was dominant once again. And I think if this guy's on the free agent market, I, I think you could steal this guy. And I think he could definitely be your closer for the next four to five years and be an elite level closer. I, I think this guy's dominant back in 2014, 2015, which I know is a good amount of time, which is kind of a long time ago now. But he racked up 90 plus saves in that two year span. I think this guy still has a lot left in the tank after watching him in 2020. So I would love for the Diamondbacks to go out there and steal Trevor Rosenthal off the free agent market. Next up, we got Carlos Santana. And even though the Diamondbacks don't really need a first baseman, I think if you're going to keep the DH rule in the National League, which it seems it might be headed in that direction, the universal DH, this is the kind of guy that I would want the Diamondbacks to go out and get and to play every day the DH position because I think he's a perfect guy for that. Now, his 2020 numbers weren't that great. He only batted 199 2020, but he actually led the American League in walks. And just last year in 2019, he was an all-star for the first time. Batted 281, a 397 OBP, and a 911 OPS. He had 30, or not 30, 34 home runs last year, 93 ribbies. So I think this is a guy who can hit for a solid average. He's been around a 270 hitter the last three seasons prior to 2020 is a guy that's been getting on base about 370 as well during that time span and with a OPS above 800 it can get you 30 bombs so I think for a guy that has good contact and get on base at a pretty high rate and has that pop that you need in the middle of your lineup I would love for the Diamondbacks to get him I don't think he would break the bank either and he's a guy who's gonna be about 35 years old so a two-year deal for him to play DH I think that would be perfect for the Diamondbacks next up is 
the guy who's in a Diamondbacks uniform not too long ago, who I wish they kept, actually. Taiwan Walker. I really like Taiwan Walker a lot. Even when he was with the Diamondbacks, he was pretty good. Now, he didn't have a lot of starts. That was the thing. He barely played for the Diamondbacks but because of injury. But that first year with the Diamondbacks, 2017, he had 157 innings pitch, a 3-4-9 year race. So he's good in 2017. He's still only 28 years old, and he, and he had a 2.7 year ERA. In 2020, I had him on my fantasy team. He was a stud for me this season. So I like Taiwan Walker a lot. I don't think this Diamondbacks rotation is very good. I know they're still in on Luke Weaver. They're probably going to have to keep Madison Bumgarner around. We'll see if they want to put Alex Young or Caleb Smith in the rotation. But if you could buy low on Taiwan Walker, if he, he's another guy that I think you could steal off the free agent market. So if the Diamondbacks could do that, I think welcoming Taiwan Walker back to the Arizona organization would be a splendid and a smart move by Mike Hazen. And then finally, we got Colton Wong. He's only 5'7", but this is a guy who was one of the highest-ranking prospects coming out, and he hasn't necessarily lived up to uh you know projections or expectations uh he's been pretty good throughout his career he's been about 10 home run 20 stolen base kind of guy 261 career batting average 333 career obp but only 717 ops and the dimebacks really don't have a need for a second base and they have Ketel Marte. i guess they can move him to center field but i don't think colton wong's a big enough of an upgrade he had a pretty good 2019 season where he kind of put it all together he finished 20th in MVP voting 2019, so if you could buy low on Colton Wong, I wouldn't be against it if you want to put Ketel Marte in center field and put Colton Wong at second base, but he doesn't feel like a guy is going to be giving me a big enough upgrade. He doesn't feel like a guy who I can really trust. I don't know about his consistency. Really, 2019 is really the only great season he's had, and so because of that, I'm going to have to say I'm out on Colton Wong. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks coverage, news, and insight. It's the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. Your team every day. Go follow me at Creator Thomas on Twitter, at Locked On Dimebacks on Twitter and Instagram. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!